0: Welcome to
1: Taking a Walk,
0: an excursion to converse, connect, and catch up at a cool location with some of the most interesting people you can find. Here's Buzz Knight. Today on this episode of Taking a Walk, I'm excited to be in historic Portsmouth, New Hampshire, to meet up with a man who fits into many categories of description, attorney, politician, ambassador, basketball coach musician among them. He's also the author of his incredible life story, Against All Odds. I'm pleased to be here in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, taking a walk with Scott Brown. Well, Scott, thank you so much for uh, taking a walk with me. It's so nice to meet you.
1: Oh, well, thanks. Great to, great to be here and uh, welcome to Portsmouth, New Hampshire
0: beautiful village. Uh, I think you have a little history
1: here, uh, probably walking, running, cycling uh, uh-huh. here in these parts. Yeah, yeah. I was born, actually. We're going to walk down to the uh, the river, and across the river is the Portsmouth Naval Shipyard, and that's where the birthing hospital was for Pease Air Force Base, where my dad uh, was in the Air Force, and my mom was a waitress at Hampton Beach, and uh, they met and fell in love, had me, and here we are (laughs) here we are my god well
0: this is uh it's an honor uh to be here and um so first of all taking a walk probably for you it's really more taking a run over your life as i uh see how your childhood and your life evolved right i mean more so running and cycling
1: yeah listen i i think i was probably one of the original kids who had i don't want to disrespectful, but probably like some form of ADD, you know, where I was like, go, 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 go. I'll never forget when I was younger. Uh, I live with my, you know, cause my family was a little dysfunctional. I lived with my grandmother and uh, she would, I would, obviously I was a terror and she would actually, wouldn't hit me, wouldn't yell at me. She would make me sit in the middle of the kitchen for 15 minutes in a chair, looking at the clock And it was like crazy, crazy torture. And uh, that it just made me like stop and slow down. And that was the worst thing you could do for me. But yeah, I've always been, and then obviously as I was growing up, still very energetic. And my mom gave me a basketball Said here, just dribble it, just go. And that's what I did. I took it everywhere, you know, on dates, used to sleep with it, used to talk to it. So it seems kind of funny right now, but, uh, you know, it's what got me kind of through some of the tough times.
0: Well, I was going to say, it saved you in so many regard. I mean, at various points um, either to keep you occupied or uh, get you away from some of the problems that were going on uh, in your family life, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Listen, uh, sports, if it wasn't for sports, a good coach, a good uh, teacher, and a, and a judge that gave me a second chance, I'd either be dead or in jail. There's no doubt in my mind. I was going down just a, such a bad path. And I wasn't a bad kid in reflection. I was, I was just angry. You know, angry that my mom and Dad were battling, and I were angry that they were married and divorced four times each, and angry we kept having to move angry i couldn 't get enough food just angry, angry, angry so
0: where is anger now in your in your life? Uh, it, it, we all have anger, and for someone who 's been through what you were through in your life um, is it ever possible
1: to erase that anger? Yeah, yeah, of course it is. Yeah, I, I, I'm actually, I feel pretty balanced now. It takes a lot to get me angry. Like, you know, someone will say, don't you hate that person? I'm like, ah, no, I, I, let's cross over here. I'm like, no, I, I really don't, <laughs> you know? It takes a lot to get me angry. Uh, and uh, I, I don't think I hate anybody, uh, but we actually, uh, you know, just find a way to prioritize things and recognize that, you know, I personally don't sweat the small stuff. I don't, you know, focus on the negative. I try to find solutions and, and ways to, uh, you know, just kind of move forward. So Judge
0: Zoll, that was yeah, that's how you pronounce it, Sam right? Zoll. Yeah, Sam Zoll. Yeah. So
1: he taught you an incredible uh, <laughs> lesson. So yeah, I, listen. I was hanging around with some older kids. I was stealing records. Uh, I would I had farmer pants and a jacket. I would take and slip them in the farmer pants and Button up the jacket and walk out like you know, waving at everybody. So uh, it was. Uh, I got caught, and thank God I got caught because uh, you know I, I went into the judge's chambers, which you couldn't do today. And I remember my mom was kind of yelling out in the out in the anteway and I'm in the chambers. And the judge says, "Hey, uh, I see you. Uh, you like music?" And I said, "Yeah, yeah, I love music." He goes, "Oh, and we started talking about music." I said, "Wow, this guy's pretty cool." He says, well, you know, w- w- what, like, what do you do? Like, what, you like sports? I go, oh my God, I love sports. So what's your favorite sport? And I'm, par- I'm kind of you know, shortening a little bit, but I said, well, uh, basketball is my favorite sport, you know? He says, why? I said, well, because you can be an individual, but you can also, you know, like, it's, there's structure, there's a team, there's a there's a way to kind of work together to you know, have a good result, hopefully. He goes, wow, that's amazing. He said, you and good? I said, yeah, I average like, I don't know, 30, 39 points a game. He says, wow, that's amazing. He says, do you have any brothers and sisters? I go, yeah, I have a half brother, two half sisters. He says, oh, that's fantastic. Do they look up to you? I go, yes, I'm the rock of the family. Now here I am at that age, drinking, driving, and stealing my mom's car, and I'm the rock of the family. And uh, he says, wow, that's great. How how do you think they'd like you to, uh, like to see you play basketball in jail? Because that's where you're going. And I'm like, whoa. And he said, "I want you to write me a 1,500-word essay on how you let your your brother and and sisters down, and how they would not like to see you play basketball in jail." And there's not a day that goes by that I don't remember that. And it's interesting. I just used that. I have I coach boys' junior high basketball, and they were at a game, and like three or four of them did some just stupid stuff, you know, skateboarding in the hallways, trying to climb over fences that were locked, you know, and they got in trouble, and they're my star players, and and I asked the principal and the athletic director to let me handle it. And the principal listened to what I said because she didn't know about my background. And then I said, I want you guys to write me a 500 word essay on how you let your, your, your teammates, your school, and your principal and athletic director down. And she said that you know, it was really great because they, uh, they really took it to heart. It was powerful, it was meaningful, and uh, I think it served the purpose. So. Served quite a purpose for you, didn't it? Yeah, 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 it did. It gave me, uh, it made me realize, like, oh my goodness, I'm really, really screwing up here. And like I said, I, I didn't think I was a bad kid, I was just, I was just like lost.
0: But it was obvious that so many people that were sort of outside of your family life, the judge as an example, um, coaches that you dealt with, uh, were tremendously influential and in turning points for your life. Um, I'm not surprised to hear you say that you're coaching basketball <laughs> at all, based on obviously the impact that coaches made to you.
1: Yeah, yeah. Listen, I coached before I went to New Zealand as the ambassador. I I played ball since I was nine years old. Uh, you know, high school, college had you know wonderful opportunities. But yeah, I, I enjoy it. Uh, Coach Ayla, who went to Boston College and uh, full scholarship, in Ariana, and uh, yeah, I just enjoy the passing on the, the things that that I was taught. I mean, because I used to go to God, I went to Nelson Sanders, uh, Cowens, Killay, uh, you know, Satch Sanders, Pete Maravich, uh, uh, you know, all these amazing camps uh, where I learned so much about everything, and I just you know feel it's important to pass it on. And you know, we're four zero. Oh, the kids are, are really great, and we're really learning yesterday was a fantastic practice where they finally got it you know
0: are there any particular things about uh, that generation uh, that concern you around social media device addiction just as
1: example well, that's you, you just nailed it yeah listen the kids uh, you know the wonderful kids but they're locked in on their on their phones and iPhones I mean you look at TikTok I mean today there's a there's a threat, you know, a national threat to go and shoot somebody at school. I mean, that's what, you know, TikTok. So now here we are listening to these stupid people who are doing stupid things and, you know, affecting our daily lives. And, and but you have to pay attention based on what you see uh, recently. So yeah, I, I would, I would. I, I remember when our kids were growing up, Mom, Dad, you know, everyone has no n- n- Nintendo, and I would say, you mean no friendo? <laughs> Yeah, because that's what they they don't have any friends. They're in their rooms. Let's go out and play some ball and let's go out and go to the movies and so yeah, we never had any of that stuff growing up and it wasn't until they were in uh, what, high school or late or late junior high just to have a phone for safety purposes. You know, you see in Virginia and others, you know, they're not participating in their schools and kids' lives and activities in the schools. So they don't really see what's going on. They've trusted, you know, educators to do the right thing and you know many of them are but others are you know are doing something that they you know others may not agree on so yeah but I there there's a wonderful generation of young at least the kids that I've been dealing with and I've only been back for 10 or 11 months now from New Zealand but uh, you know I'm still hopeful so when you uh, think of uh,
0: nonprofits that um, are going through challenges in these days. What are some nonprofits that are important to you uh, that you might want to call attention to?
1: Well, you know, we've always supported a lot of the food banks, you know, in the area. You know, people are hurting, uh, so we've had, you know, food bank drives, you know, coat drives, you know, the basic necessities that people need. Um, th- those are important to us we've also done uh, Gail and I have done a lot of uh, work in the past and we've been away from it uh, people with disabilities you know taking care of those more vulnerable the rentham developmental Center the Friends of Rentham, you know sponsored by the Patriots we were so active in that uh, you know hi- hiring people with disabilities to get out in the workforce and be and live independently is really important uh, you know the cancer cancer seems to be everywhere uh, when Gail was in New Zealand she raised 250,000 and for the New Zealand Cancer Society, and uh, you know, so her sister had a stroke. So the um, the Stroke Association. So I think everybody who who is affected or knows somebody who's affected by something that they tend to go to that direction and um, you know try to support those amazing causes. Well, I know music's important to
0: you as well. Music was uh, sort of a saving uh, grace for you, whether it be your uh, your KISS posters and your KISS music that you just went the nuts over, or now even, as you were telling me, in uh, the recent times, uh, playing guitar with uh, Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick. Um, talk about how music... Is such a unifying force to people and to you as well?
1: Well, what do we all agree on? Uh, Music, food, family, and sports. We may, you know, Yankees, Red Sox, Patriots, and really nobody, quite frankly, but. (laughs) I'm kidding, kidding. Uh, But, uh, you know, really, but you throw in politics and and it gets a little weird. That being said, for me, I mean, I never played guitar until I lost the election uh, for the U.S. Senate and the girls got me a guitar. And, you know, you always have these bucket list things. I'm 58 years old at that point. I'm like, you know, what do I want to do? Well, I've always wanted to learn how to play guitar. Bang. I always want to learn how to put together and take apart bikes. Bang. I want to learn how to make sushi, you know, make pizza, like flip it up in the air and twirl it around. You know these th- silly things, but uh, things that I've always in the back of my mind wanted to do. So I volunteered at a bike store, put together and uh, you know worked on probably 200 bikes, sold for them probably 50, and then when I left, they gave me a bike, you know, a real bike, and and then uh, obviously the guitar. I, I'm self-taught, and I've played six times with Cheap Trick, I've played with Warrant, Firehouse, Ayla Brown, James Montgomery, and and you know, I have my own band in New Zealand and here, and it's something that I find uh, exceedingly invigorating and. I could have the worst day in the world and have everything, everything falling apart and then go into my little man cave, turn on the volume really, really louder than it should be and sing and play, and it's like, oh, what a great day. So, uh, yeah, music, I think, and, and Ernie Bach, who's a dear friend, he is the Music Drives Us uh, uh, charity that he has. I mean, he gets it too. You know, kids uh, need an outlet, and to do something is not technical or or I should say uh, uh, multimedia in terms of the Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, whatever, and actually pick up an instrument and learn it and express yourselves that way, that's pretty cool. So your family is
0: doing well during all of this. talk about what's going on with the family got a lot of excitement. yeah yeah
1: happening. listen we were away for four years it was difficult but you know the kids ariana was in syracuse ayla was in nashville and we're like oh well might as well go so i went to new zealand i chose to go there the president appointed me and we had a great experience and then all of a sudden ariana moves back to new hampshire ayla moves to massachusetts and they're like where are you and well so we're here uh new grandparents little baby girl uh she's nine months and then ayla's married uh, and you know they're all doing you know knock on wood all doing well you know challenges like every every other family you know we have our own personalities we're all Ale is like a carbon copy of me so we're always kind of banging heads you know we both have bands we're both and I I give her I give her a lot of grief just because I'm a dad you know <laughs> and anyone who's a dad knows that and then Ariana's just like mom but uh, yeah you know I got two good son-in-laws and. You know, working hard, uh, we're, we're healthy, uh, obviously, which is good, and, you know, we're just trying to kind of muddle along and make a difference your wife's running for office? Yeah, she's after Afghanistan. Listen, she is the most apolitical person. But after Afghanistan, when after we've served for four years, you th- you you know that if there was trouble, uh, I would have been brought back, and and I never would have been left in a foreign country, uh, dead or alive. And you know, to have this administration leave hundreds and potentially tens of thousands of helpers, interpreters, uh, people who green card holders there, uh, and 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 not even talk about it for almost a half a year now is just. It's it's abhorrent to us, and triggered her to say, "You know what? I'm done. I'm going to get involved." And uh, I commend her. You know, she she's really really working hard, committed to to making a difference. And and it's really her time, so I'm good with it. So, lastly, so much of your life has been around
0: leadership, uh, resilience, um, dealing in crisis situations. Um, what insight could you provide to someone on a personal basis on how to be resilient in difficult times and even on a business sense, what advice could you give?
1: Well, uh, I'm, I'm the type of guy where the more stressed the better. I mean, I love multitasking. I love like juggling everything and and finding solutions, almost like a you know like a puzzle. You know, how fast can you put the puzzle together, and how is it right? So, I, I, I even when I'm walking like down here, I'm thinking about okay, these are all the things I need to do today. How can I do them more most efficiently, and and uh, how, how can I you know make sure that I don't have to repeat them and You know, what's that movie with Russell Crowe? I'm not a genius, but I'm definitely one who's always thinking about problem solving, like in my brain. I would I would encourage people to not uh, get overly stressed out when you're having difficult times You know be patient and trust your instincts and and don't be afraid to ask for help You know I'm finding many 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 people in New Zealand believe it or not It's the highest suicide rate for teenagers in the world you think New Zealand what are you kidding? They only have five million people yes yeah, the highest rate of suicide for kids And the common theme is that people just felt checked out and they didn't feel like people cared and they didn't ask for help in our military you have over, what, 22, 23 people killing themselves a day. Many of them hadn't even served in active duty. So uh, the common theme is, you know what, if you're having trouble, especially now with the pandemic, everybody, you know, being yelled at, screamed at, wear a mask, don't wear a mask, get a vaccine, don't get a vaccine, you know, go out, stay in, you know, you can't see your grandparents. If you have a funeral, you can't go to it. You can't visit your loved one in the hospital as they're dying. Are you kidding me? Find a find a way to figure it out, folks, and, and, and let people live Live their lives so but that stress has led to a lot of mental health issues i believe mental health right now is probably the uh biggest thing that we're facing uh as as a society and i i i feel that the biggest key to that is just asking for help and, and just kind of you know stepping outside your comfort zone and, and and just letting your hair down a little bit and trust your friends and your family. I mean there's I have friends since 4th grade. We just went 10 of us went away for a weekend. And it's like it's like we saw each other yesterday and we haven't seen each other in 4 years, at least I haven't. And those are the people you can tell pretty much anything and so if you have somebody like that, you really got to if you're feeling desperate, you really have to reach out cuz the I can I can I can tell you only from learning and and listening and observing that when and if you make that terrible decision and you're gone, people will miss you. (laughs) So that's kind of it. Well, Scott, I, uh... I was born right there, by the way.
0: That's the so yes, I, 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 look, does it look any different?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I was, I was, literally, my first breath was there, and then my first house was over on Islington Street of one of my grandparents'. I'm actually a ninth-generation New Hampshireite, believe it or not, uh, son of the American Revolution, out of Newington, and my daughter's a ten, and my granddaughter's now the eleventh. But you know, apparently, I'm a carpetbagger here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Scott, uh, thank you so much for your, your generosity and your yeah, time cool. and for uh, taking a walk here in uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire.
1: Taking a Walk
0: with Night is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.